I'm a teamster, and I'm also in uh, IATSE union. It's locations just like falls in the cracks, and like for some reason on some shows they make us be teamsters, which is awesome because the teamsters get paid. There is also like a certain like toughness, I think, that is implied with being a, a teamster. Yeah, I like it, and it's got like a ho- a horse for their logo, so I like it. <laughs> Yeah, and you got all the, the the Hoffa history and everything else. That's that's a lot right. of fun. The one other person that comes to mind that I had a similar conversation with about this was uh, John Worcester, who yeah. <laughs> is similarly probably in about five to ten different bands at any one time. We're we're not monogamous, John. John and I, when it comes to playing drums, <laughs> well, it's funny because just for years now, you know, there was like nothing going on, and I. I started working in film um, and really enjoyed that. But like I got in this terrible car accident um, with my partner. And then when I got better enough to like really be able to play, I just thought, you know what? I think I'd rather, I kind of reexamined my priorities and just thought I'm not getting any younger. I want to kind of go for music again. Unfortunately, the pandemic hit, but um, but still, I my focus has kind of turned to music. So, like once again, I'm in three bands and working harder than if I had a regular job. It seems um, just busier, but it's it's music, so it doesn't feel as much like work. It's just it's yeah. just busy times, and I'm in like you know I like to exist in the DIY kind of universe. And I really enjoy that. But what that means is that you're going to be doing a lot of stuff. You said there was nothing going on. And I'm curious if a Janet Weiss, nothing going on is similar <laughs> to a regular person, nothing going on. Because I followed you throughout the years. And every time I look at your, I think it might be one of those things when you're in the middle of it, it where it feels like you've got, you know, stretches of days or weeks where you're not doing a lot, but somebody looking at your career and what you've been doing, I don't honestly understand how you keep track of it all. <laughs> it's it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. It's just, I think with the modern reality of all the posting and stuff and, you know, trying to have an internet presence that's not just like cheesy and ridiculous. That is challenging when you have several things going on to just keep it all straight. Um, But I think when I mean like nothing was going on, I'm referring to the period of like the six months when I work on on a movie. And I mean, there's a lot going on for the movie and I just am working like 12, 15 hour days, but I can't really do any music during those stretches. Um, You know, maybe some practicing but it's just impossible to do that job and book shows and make a record. And um, so I, I worked on this big project for me. It was like half a year. Um, it was the new Kelly Reichardt movie, um, which hasn't come out yet, but um, it was very immersive and challenging and rewarding. It was amazing. But when I was done with that, I think I just, was like, I got to play some music. So I called Sam, you know, we were like, it's like still the pandemic, you know, so we can't like go on tour, but we, you know, just kind of hunkered down and wrote a record and drew my slang bandmate as my partner. So 
we live in the same house and we can just go in the basement and kind of work on stuff and record there. So after I was done with like this big film project, I think I, I decided let's get, let's get music happening again, finish the slang record, um, you know, got a booking agent, got it to, to kill rock stars, um, you know, said they wanted to put it out and just kind of things, the ball started rolling. So now I'm just hanging on for dear life. And I joined another band. <laughs> Two bands is just not enough. <laughs> you joined John Spencer's band, right? So it's not, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's not like a side hobby thing. That in and of itself is, a, is, is another serious job. Well, here's a, here's a secret about music, folks, for all the kids out there. You just don't make any money at it. <laughs> like it's, it's just really hard to make money at music, no matter how hard you work. Like there's plenty of bands out there that are working their asses off and they're not making any money. Like we're all doing it because we love it. We're doing it in the hopes of like creating a community and communicating with people and, you know, using all these skills that we've learned over decades of playing together and writing music and recording music to like communicate. I mean, I feel like John and I both like we have to work, you know, like if you're going to do music, you got to, you can't, one band is never going to pay the bills unless it's like a big band. Yeah. The two of you are both musicians. So you're all, you're kind of in a similar boat in that respect. And drummers, drummers, we don't, we have to keep playing or we get bad fast. We lose, we lose our timing and you can't just like not play and expect to come back, you know, a month later and be good. You're going to be pretty terrible. So the more you play, if you just keep playing, then it's like, you know, you keep the, keep the chops. Did you lose it? You alluded to the, the accident before, and I'm sure you're probably sick of talking about it at this point, but did you lose it? Cause you're, you're talking about a couple, like couple months where you weren't able to play. Oh yeah. I mean, totally. And I couldn't even, I couldn't walk for three months. Like I wasn't allowed to put weight on my leg and I wasn't allowed to put weight on my arm. So I couldn't use crutches. So I was just like, you know, in a bed or in a wheelchair and that just it's just it just destroyed me physically you know like it took a long time years like a couple of years to like feel back you know feel strong again so yeah it just took some commitment from my my partner drew and uh you know sam practiced me a lot like um to try to get my stamina back and my timing my rhythm and now I feel great. I I like practicing a lot. Like it really helps me. And especially now that like, I don't think my legs will ever recover from that three months of not walking, but I feel, I feel good. And I'm happy to just be playing music and, you know, be broke and just kind of, you know, do do that for a while at least. It's been a while already. You've been you've been doing this for some time now. Yeah. You know, when you look at this this other kind of career path that you've developed, and I assume that there is opportunity to make a living being a location manager and location scout. You know, at a certain point, and I feel like I'm kind of getting there in my own life, where I'm like sort of doing the math between like principle and what makes me happy, and then like. I guess security is probably the right word. Yeah. Well, if security had been a priority, I wouldn't have become a musician in the first place because there's, 
there's never been security. Even when, you know, I was even like the heyday of the Slater Kinney days when like we were touring a lot and making pretty good money, there's still no security. Like there's no saying that the next tour is going to be as big as popular. Um, so that's something that like, I feel like I've learned to live with from, you know, since I started playing music. Um, it's kind of just whether I want to rely on music for, for making a living, which creates a whole nother set of stresses, or if I want to work my job and then in between, you know, like part-time, like work a job and then play music and then work a job, play music. I haven't really found the right balance yet. Um, but just kind of trying to stay in the moment a little bit more and enjoy it. I mean, it's, that's the thing about when you almost die (laughs) is that you, you know, you just, the security issue is like, what am I building all the security for? Like it could, you could step off the curb and that's it. You know, you're gone. So the focus has kind of changed um, after the accident and just trying to like enjoy what I'm doing now and, yeah, be more in the moment. I think it's, I think it's the way to happiness. Really, stop, stop thinking about the future so much. Watching you play, you've always struck me as somebody who really enjoys her job. There clearly has always been a joy in it for you. Um, but do you feel that prior to the accident that you had gotten to a point where you had, to a certain extent, started taking it for granted? Um, I guess I wouldn't say taking it for granted. But maybe it's hard to explain. Um, like letting the the difficulties that are associated with touring or bandmates or you know relationships, letting those kind of become big, you know, and really. It's like if you can just kind of rejigger that to like the music is big and the other stuff is getting hooked on the sort of the negative things and focusing on that yeah, too much. The hard, the hard things. Yeah. And like losing my ability to like change the narrative, you know, and like make it positive. Like I just got like worn out of, you know, and I, I was losing the ability to do that. And then the accident just kind of like flushed all that away. <laughs> like, you know, then you're just kind of starting new. You have a new perspective. Your people have like come through for you in like this profound way. It's like, you just, I feel very re-energized from that, like across my life, not just music. So, I mean, I just tend to think that, people's music reflects their life, you know, and who they are and what they believe in and, um, you know, their emotions and uh, their outlook. And um, that has become more clear after the accident. I had Mary Clayton on the show, the singer. Mm -hmm. She went through a really horrific car accident. What, you know, it was uh, similarly in a, in a lot of pain. She ended up losing both of her legs. It uh, was just horrible. But uh, 
she she told me and you know she and she she's recounted the accident a number of times um that you know she was in the um, i guess the er or the or and her number one question was whether or not she could sing again and it's sort of like you know when you're at that point if that's the thing the first thing that you're thinking about like clearly that's the thing that you're meant to do i think yeah i mean there was a very comical moment of being <laughs> being in the ER and the surgeon after looking at the x-rays comes in and says like, Oh, you have, which I, I kind of knew I felt what was wrong, but he's like, you know, you have two broken legs and he broke your collarbone. And I was just like, wow, a drummer with two <laughs> broken legs and a broken collarbone. I mean, you just have to laugh at that moment, you know, like, <laughs> like I hope this, I hope this, I hope I can recover. So there is a lot of uncertainty that is like, you know, that's, I guess being a musician all those years, I learned to deal with uncertainty, I think more, but this was like, you know, very psychic uncertainty of like, you know, like you say, like, am I going to be able to do this again? So it's, it's a huge relief to like, I can do it. I may not be a hundred percent, but I can, I can do, I can do it. (laughs) Was that one of the things that immediately flashed through your minds when it happened? And was that a question that you asked of the doctors? Uh, yeah, over and over and over. And I just kept reminding them like, Hey, I'm a drummer. Like I need, you know, I need to be able to like move this thing. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, I'm like a middle-aged woman. They're probably like, Oh, you know, she needs to, you know, she'll be fine. You know, she just, what does she have to do? But I just kept reminding them like, no, you don't understand. I need to be able to carry like heavy amps and go on tour. So yeah, it was a little scary, but. Uh, Drew is a, is a gymnastics coach. That's his day job. So I feel incredibly fortunate that I had a, my own personal coach to like keep me on the rails, you know, and like, he's so used to dealing with people and their fears and getting them uh, to do really hard things and how to like incrementally teach people how to do hard things that it was very helpful. I never learned that stuff as a kid. I don't think. I mean, I just never learned how to like set a goal and reach it. You know, this is not something that my parents or anybody taught me. I just kind of figured it out on my own. So he really helped in that regard um, coming back. So there was never a question of whether you would go back. It was just more a question of when. I mean, in my mind, but, you know, I still was like, I hope that's right. <laughs> I, I hope that's reality. Um, but you can't really, I don't know, you can't let yourself worry too much because you're trying to heal, you know? Sure. I just mean from the standpoint, you weren't like, I, you know, I'm going to be a realtor now. No, I have my other job. Like that job is not easy either. (laughs) So it's not like I have this cushy, I have this cushy job I can fall back on. And I'm sure you're probably standing all the time for that one too, right? Yeah. It's really, it's really physically demanding. And so I don't really, there's nothing in my life that's like, this. you could take this easy path, but mostly, you know, the drumming is the important thing to me and walking, like walking my dog, playing drums, I can still sing. I, you know, like I can do, I can do the important stuff. 
What, what do you attribute that to that you've never really taken the easy path with anything? Is it, do you like a challenge? Not really. I just, I just think I, I, I didn't have a mom that like taught me very much. She, she didn't teach me very much. And I feel like I had to figure everything out. Uh, my sisters and I kind of had to figure everything out on our own and together. And so like the way we do things is not always like the best path from A to Z, you know, you're, this is how you do it. And I think that's, has, that's part of it is like, I just had to teach myself, you know? And so you kind of teach yourself wrong sometimes <laughs> and you teach yourself, uh, you know, there's an easier way, but you don't know it. I would take the easy way if I could, but I just, I don't mind working hard on things that I really enjoy doing. I really don't. I like to be busy. I'm not a homebody type person. I love my dog, but I don't, you know, if I never had to cook another meal, I wouldn't care. Like I don't, I'm not into like watching. I don't watch TV. You're not domestic. I'm not domestic. So I like to work on stuff and I like to have projects and I'd like to be busy. I mean, I'm looking at my desk. It's just like, (laughs) there's just so many things happening. I like to multitask. And, you know, part of that is just, I don't know. It's like, that's not always good. Like sometimes you need to like slow down and, you know, I try to do breathing exercises and, um, you know, calm down. But kind of my natural state is like doing things. I just made a slang video and, you know, I just like, I like doing all the stuff that goes along with being in a band, like the artistic stuff that I'm not an artist, but I'm like a dabbler in things. So I like doing album covers and just making posters and doing the videos and it's fun making t-shirts. It's really, it's really fun for me. With Slater Kenny in particular, it seems like that was just part of, I think, all what all three of you did. And, and certainly that was a part of the scene that the three of you came out of as well. The difference being that most bands and musicians, when they hit a certain point, they start outsourcing all of that. Yeah, which that band did start like getting hiring people to do that stuff but I still want to do it. (laughs) So, you know, now like quasi Sam is a great artist. And if I can beat him to it, you know, I can do stuff. Slang, I'm getting to do a lot of really fun uh, artistic stuff. And, you know, just like your basic creativity is like super rewarding. Are you competitive with stuff like that? I mean, you're, you're, I think semi joking about Sam there, but, um, are you a competitive person generally? Uh, I mean, not with him. I feel like I like to gamble. Does that make, does that mean I'm competitive? Uh, you mean like literally, literally gamble or, or like metaphorically? Yeah. yeah okay. I, I love like it. you like going to Vegas and I love gambling. I just like it. I like betting on stuff and it's really fun. <laughs> But no, I mean, I would never be competitive with him about art stuff because he's so much better than me at it. Like, I don't feel like, I just feel like the best person should be doing doing it. 
like we have a good we have a good working relationship because he's less social than me and i you know i'm used to my for my job and just my personality is just more like outgoing and talkative and um he's internal and i don't write lyrics so i have to like team up with these great lyricists you know or i'm in trouble i don't know i just feel like there's a good balance it's not it's not so much competitive i don't think it's competitive in bands i mean i might be competitive in like I don't know. I like to be good at stuff, but I'm not sure I'm trying to beat everybody. Generally, when I talk to people in, in bands and generally when I talk to people who are in, like leaders in bands, it, the vast majority of them tell me that there's a certain extent to which it settled into running it almost dictatorially because that's that there needs to be like one person in charge of the larger decisions. And that's basically how things get done. Yeah, I am not in those kinds of bands. I'm in bands where like you do what you're good at and then you everybody picks the thing they're best at and then kind of handles that. Yeah, I I feel like it's more of a collaboration. And then and then you pick your battles. You know, there's like something sometimes when like one person feels really strongly about something and then the other people you know, say, okay, well, that's, that doesn't matter to me so much. So let's do it your way on that. Um, but I feel like, I feel like because it's not like everybody's getting rich doing it, like everybody should feel involved and feel like they're not being made to do something they don't want to do. I don't, the whole dictator thing is not my, I'm not, I'm not into that, like for the world or for a band. <laughs> I feel like it should be you know, cooperative and collaboration. There should be a sense of equality that exists within the band. But that doesn't mean that like every decision, like sometimes some, some one person won't care or the other person makes the shirt or, you know, one person talks to the booking agent. Like it doesn't mean that we're all like, you know, drinking our tea in a circle and like, <laughs> like discussing every single little thing to death again from the outside even with the bands that you're in a lot of that dynamic really depends on the people right like i assume that like quasi or slang is maybe different than joining up with john spencer you know i mean i yeah. I, I, I get the sense that and and this could be wrong or even like you know even like the the jicks where it's sort of where it's yeah. something that kind of starts off as somebody's specific vision and then you're right. figuring out where you slot into that and how you move it forward Definitely. When their name is on it, it's they're the dictator. So like I have, I have been in bands like that where it's one person's thing. But I, when I say like, you know, when I talk about like slang or quasi, like those are collaborative, like John Spencer's band, that's not collaborative. Like he makes all the decisions. It's his band. It's his vision. I'm just joining, you know, like to kind of, help him like you know i can put my personality into it but it's mostly fleshing out his thing which he has you know worked really hard at over all these years so that's that's a, just a whole different way of doing it that's like i guess it's true i i am in those bands sometimes i don't probably start that i wouldn't start that kind of band but i 
you know, the chicks were like that too. It was collaborative, but it was ultimately Steve's thing. And he doesn't care about a lot of stuff. So like he pretty much gives you a lot of freedom to do what you want, but there are, you know, it's his, I mean, he let me make the t-shirts, you know, like he doesn't care about every little thing. Like John is more of like a, a tour, you know, like, like working on a Kelly Riker movie. Like she cares about everything. <laughs> there's not, there's no detail that she doesn't want to be a part of making, you know, a part of like making the decisions about. So it's interesting. I mean, that's, it's fun to like play with all these different people. Yeah. And, and, and maybe there's a sense in which Slater Kinney is also in that sort of, I mean, obviously you were a big part of the band, but kind of. I mean, actually that band was the most equal. That was the most uh, democratic band of all, of all of them. I mean, it was just three people, three votes. Every vote has equal weight. Um, we made the, the decisions together. Yeah. It was very democratic. It was, there was no like, I'm the, I'm the boss. Yeah. So that was, that was a great, you know, a great thing to kind of come up with. I've heard you describe the moment you knew it was time to leave that band. And it, and it sounds sort of similar to obviously without the same amount of time invested, but the, the experience with, with the Jicks in that, you know, I, I would sort of liken it to being in a relationship with someone where a lot of times, People just try to keep things going to the detriment of themselves and, and their own mental health for the sake of like keeping things together and not really knowing when it's time to walk away. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their own, their own ways of, their own ways of deciding like what's best for them. And, you know, something like that, that's like a huge part of your life and your identity. It's just, you have to really think hard about it. You know, like any other relationship that you've been in for over 20 years, like it's not an easy decision and everybody's really different. You know, like some people stay in relationships. Some people can't have relationships, you know, like there's so much good there that I just want to like focus on. It was time for me to to leave, and I'm never like never the last person at the party, <laughs> you know. Like I'm, I I don't want to just, you know, I don't know. It was it was time, and it was really hard, and uh, you know, every situation is different. The jicks totally different kind of scenario. But it's just the idea that like nothing is forever, you know, it's like good to kind of keep in mind that like you're not going to crumble and disintegrate, you know, like it's good to challenge yourself to like try different things and, you know, not maybe feel like you're stuck somewhere, you know, you're able to have motion in your life. Um, I think is a, is really good to keep in mind. It sounds like you're in a nice position now where you're able to do multiple projects. And I suspect that when you have one really big band, that's your focus. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't invest your creativity into other things. You really have to just be in that one thing. And if that one thing is draining you, then 
that kind of makes your life that much worse. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it, I don't, I was still able to, I mean, I was always in two bands, sometimes three. Um, and the, you know, the good thing is that that was a band that actually you could make a living at. So that, you know, that was really a great, you know, a great help to like doing other things. So it wasn't really that. I mean, I think I, I'm capable of doing like a lot at once. It's a hard thing to talk about. Sure. Slang was technically, it's been a band for 10 years. Is that right? 10 years. I don't, I couldn't tell you that. I mean, we started like, I, I read that somewhere. So let, let's go with that. Years. I don't know. If it's, well, maybe because maybe almost Drew and I have been together a little over 10 years. But I was always kind of fascinated with um, people like uh, Emmylou Harris or Linda Ronstadt that like had a whole massive careers where they never wrote a song. So we were like, let's just play covers, you know, and play like a whole show of covers. And which for me is really fun that I get to like pick all these songs. That's something that I really love doing is like picking covers and finding things that would be really good just for us, you know. And so we started just doing that and like kind of obscure covers. So it was a little bit less like, you know, we're not in like an eighties cover band or something. It was like um, songs that people might not have known. So we started just doing that for fun and we were both in other bands and, you know, just out of the desire to kind of play together. And, you know, we traveled around a little bit and played some shows and it was really fun. And then eventually started writing, you know, writing songs and recording and like, well, maybe we need a band now. So then putting the band together, um, you know, it just progressed slowly (laughs) up until this point where, you know, we're putting a record out and playing shows and we've got our kick-ass band and, uh, you know, things are moving now it must have been a nice change to do something with just absolutely zero pressure and and zero expectations of it even becoming a band i mean that is fun i mean that the idea of doing covers is like you could just pick the best songs you know you don't have to write them you just find them and pick them and you know drew's such an incredible singer that like I mean, you can pick a Aretha Franklin song if you want. Like, he can actually sing that. He you can know, do I, an Aretha Franklin song? Oh, yeah. Wow. But, like, no problem. He knows it all super well. And then he, you know, that's that's really fun to be able to pick songs for someone who really can sing, you know? Like, I mean, you know, corn, similar thing. Like, someone who can really sing. Like, <laughs> you know you go to karaoke and the KJ person is just like, Oh wow. You should do something with that. You know, like even they can see like, wow, this is like a real singer. I'm doing karaoke tonight for the first time in like two years. since the start of the pandemic. And I'm like, these are the three to five songs that I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's like most of us. That's that's all the regular people. But then there's like the singers that get to do a lot of other songs. But yeah, what was that sort of change? Like, what was that moment where it was like, oh, this is something more than just a lark? Um, I mean, I don't think there was like the moment, but we, 
started kind of working on music in the basement and like heavily collaborating on the songs sort of in the computer world, like tracking and then rearranging and, you know, just kind of, it's just downstairs, you know? So it's like, you're able to sort of go down and like work on it when you have free time. And one of us would be down there and then the other one would be down there. And then we'd check out, Oh, what did you do? What did you do? You know, like, we added stuff kind of on our own and sometimes we'd get out together and just improvise or, uh, and then we actually got, uh, we had got, got kind of a group of songs together and then we had Sam, my quasi bandmate came and played some bass on the songs. And, he, um, I mean, he's just one of my favorite bass players. So it was like a no brainer to just like, let's get Sam to put some bass on it. So he came over and did that. And then it started to really kind of take shape. Um, But we still like, it still wasn't like a band until we got Kathy and Anita on board. And then it was, I mean, now it really feels like, you know, a band and we're the pandemic kind of just like, you know, put up a big roadblock right when we were getting going. So it's fun now to like be booking shows and playing shows. And I feel like we still need to like find our bearings as a, as a band and like, you know, go through all those challenging experiences together and the team building stuff that happens when you're, you know, like, I don't know, your monitors are not working or like, you know, things that kind of are challenging. Trust exercises. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I, I assume that like once you're at a certain level and once you're bringing people into your band that are at a certain level, you know, like if you're bringing, Kathy into the band, for example, there's an expectation that you're going to be taking it seriously. Mm. Well, we all do other stuff too. I don't think, I feel like that's kind of like, we try to avoid that. You <laughs> that try to like, avoid being serious. Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of like, you know, the death of fun, you know, is to like put tons of pressure on yourself. And I think like Kathy, especially who's had you know, so much experience and traveled the world playing music. And she's still just like a real easygoing person. Um, and Anita too, like, you know, it's not like, I feel like we all are just enjoying it and not like putting huge goals, these goals on it and like expectations. Um, but we, you know, we do want to get out and play and, you know, there was a huge global pandemic. And then now it's like, now everybody wants a tour. So it's like, it's just the same challenges as ever, you know, like it's always been, it's always been like, not for the faint of heart. And like, we've, we're all experienced. So we know like not to expect too much. And that you do kind of have to pay your dues, even for us. And we've all, you know, co- the collective hours of playing shows and making records, which is high. <laughs> you know, we've made a lot of records between all of us. And, but we still, you know, you have to start at the start. 
you don't get to just jump in the middle. That just doesn't really happen. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I should rephrase. I, I didn't mean serious <laughs> as like an absence of fun because clearly you're still having fun. <laughs> I just meant serious from the standpoint of we're getting people in this band. Like we should start touring and we should put out a record. You know, like let's make this band a band. Yeah, I mean that's just more from what like that. That's what we enjoy. We like doing that. You know, we like like I say like having a project and seeing it through is, you know, big part of being a musician. You just have to be able to do that on your own. So, but we are all from a, like, you know, a DIY scene, you know, thermals, especially, you know, they weren't, they were doing a lot of it themselves, you know? And so it's great to be in a band with someone like Kathy that knows how to, do stuff you know <laughs> she knows you know how to do a tour and what it is and mostly just being with people who know what to expect you know we i don't think we're in a position where we can just like go out on a big huge tour you know like people have to hear the music first just just because we're in the band doesn't mean people are going to show up to your show they have to actually have a connection with the music i think and maybe it will make them check out the music, you know, so you have an advantage in that. People, you know, they want to know what you're up to, so they'll check it out, but they have to like it, you know, I think to really get, like get any sort of momentum going. You you do have a secret weapon, though, which are these uh, these double booked tours, of, <laughs> of, you know, and, and, and you've done it a couple of times. And I think you're doing it with the upcoming uh, John Spencer tour, right? Yeah. Is that, uh, a split quasi yeah. John Spencer. Yeah. yeah it's just, it kind of makes sense. Just like expenses wise and like everybody's there. You may as well just, you know, it's, I mean, it's fun first of all. And, but it's, there's a convenience factor to it that like you kill two birds with one stone. I mean, I, I've done it in the past, you know, like, um, well, you know, we'll, We'll see if it's still, there's a lot of, there's a lot of double duty tour tours coming up. So I'm hoping that it, it works. Um, but yeah, it's like, you're going to, you know, half of you are going to be there already. So you may as well team up. That's kind of the ultimate test of your stamina though, right? Yeah, it is. And we'll see, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm always like, I don't know. I mean, I think I can do it, but we'll see. Is this slang record kind of an outgrowth of? the pandemic and just being home and um i think it was it was almost completed before the pandemic i mean i think personally like the thing that the pandemic did for me was it slowed me down like my recovery so that i didn't bite off way too much too soon which i would have done and it just forced me to like really recover. Cause I was just like, get me, like, I want to go, 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 go. And I probably would have planned too much. So if there was any sort of good to come out of it, which it is really, it feels wrong to say that, you know, considering um, that would be it. I mean, I think it, gave slang time to like kind of make a plan, which was good and kind of get our ducks in a row. 
Um, so that, you know, we're like everybody else, we were just kind of waiting for it to open up enough so that we could get going. Was there a sense by the time it happened and once everybody started complaining about, you know, not being able to leave their homes that you were like, you know, I've, I've been through this. <laughs> I've experienced this before. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually worked, I mean, the film world like never shut down. It's just, there were these really strict protocols. There's so much money in that business that, the, you know, they're like, oh, we'll just funnel all this money into like everyday testing and all these uh you know, procedures and, and ways to keep everyone safe. So like, I actually just kept working. And so I didn't really, there was that first shutdown time, which was really, you know, kind of just to like be outside and there was no car noise and the animals were sort of taking over and it was really, it's kind of nice. Nature yeah, was, like, uh... see what, to see what, it's just the fact that like civilization can actually slow down that much. Like you just don't, you just don't think it's possible. It seems absolutely like it would never happen, but it did happen briefly. Um, but I, I didn't like, like I say, I'm not really a homebody person. So I just kind of kept working and hoping that music was going to come back. I did. I did feel like, I did feel like, people were sort of taking advantage of music, like or burn out on music before the pandemic. And like, Oh, you know, there's so many great bands and I can just see a show whenever I want. And I'll just, I'm going to stream my music and not like pay the bands or whatever. I feel like now, like after the pandemic, everyone's so like appreciative and it really woke people up to the fact that like, if music goes away, it's a really bad thing. And um, we will all suffer, you know, without music. Um, and the musician is something to celebrate. Um, so I think, I think that's maybe another positive outcome. Um, I mean, I don't think this whole thing's over yet, but I do think, you know, some shifts in like perspective are uh, have happened in regards to musicians and bands and music and shows and people seem very re-energized and like appreciative. Not to say that you were ever taking it for granted from the standpoint of the fan base, but you know, you mentioned the the GoFundMe earlier when you had the accident and that must, must have been a really profound experience of seeing all these people really reach out and want to do yeah. what they can do to help. And in some cases, just absolute strangers. Yeah. It was like nothing that I've ever experienced and will ever experience. I mean, absolutely profound like connection to people, you know, and like, it's just so heavy to feel that kind of like love and support. I mean, it, it's not like strangers. It's like people who listen to your music, you know? So it's like, there is a relationship there. It's just not someone, you know, face to face. Um, yeah, that was just mind, absolutely mind blowing. <laughs> and again, it's like, how do you, how do you not come away with a positive outlook after something like 
like that. And, you know, part of me even felt like a little guilty, like, oh my God, like some people don't have this and everyone should have this, you know, it's like the best, most incredible feeling that you could have. And just, you want to like, make sure you foster that and like, you know, give that back, keep giving that back throughout like your life. I mean, it's like, it's like my family, you know, you are somebody who has, has struck me as always being, you know, like fiercely independent. Was it hard to ask for help? Yes. Yes. Incredibly difficult in lots of levels. Um, yeah, just the inner struggle of like, I'm stuck in a bed for three months, you know, like I had to rely on people for everything. Uh, yeah, it was really, it's not my natural, not my natural state. <laughs> but, you know, again, like my family and my friends, like, you, you know, the fans, like if people really came through, like in a massive, a massive way you know, Drew and my sister and just like, I couldn't, when it first happened, like I couldn't be by myself because they were afraid I would like fall out of the bed. (laughs) I was on all these meds. And so I had to have like people there with me and friends just showing up and kind of like making me think that like, they're just coming by to visit. But like, I know they're like on the schedule, you know, to make sure I don't fall, fall down. And you know, people just going way, way above and beyond. Yeah, it's, you never get over something like that. Like it's, it's like you went through something painful and like difficult, but the positives just really far outweigh the negatives. How much of of the the rehabilitation process was, you know, Drew or Sam or, you know, whoever sort of, getting you out of bed and kind of compelling you to sort of sit down and kind of lay down a drum track or, you know, restart the process of making music. Well, Drew really got me through like all the really difficult physical challenges. Um, and then my sister also was, you know, like moved to Portland like the day after the accident to like help take care of me. But, I mean, no one had to, like... You had to force you to make music? No one had to force me, like... I had, like, my iPad, and I would work on GarageBand stuff. And then I had an electronic kit, and I would wheel my wheelchair up to it and start playing. And, I mean, I was eager to to get back. It just... I didn't know, like, what I was really capable of, but I just, in my typical, like not learning how to do things right fashion. I just started doing it, you know, and I, I pushed myself, but they, you know, I remember Kathy coming over and Sam coming over and, you know, Drew helping me get the kit set up and, you know, getting the iPad working and, you know, just, I did need help with even small things, but I was pretty eager to like start playing again. <laughs> 